Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like, what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello. Hello there. How are you? A tanned woman. <laughs> or so it would seem. Me, I know. It looks like I, I look really brown in this tiny little screen, which isn't the truth. But what I was going to say to you is I, my skin is finally clearing. Did I tell you? I haven't told you. Have I told you at all about this crazy dermatologist I went to? You were going there the last time I spoke to you. Okay, <laughs> she was batshit crazy. Like, I swear to God, she was high. <laughs> and I couldn't even hear, I couldn't even understand a word she was saying, Grace, because she was speaking at the speed of light so fast <laughs> that my heart was like thumping out of my <laughs> chest. <laughs> and my friend had recommended her to me and I text her and I was like, this woman is crazy. She was like mumbling to herself under her breath. And she was like, I know, but she'll give you a prescription, but as fast as you can say acne. And, the, and she like literally was like, what do you want? And I was like, I don't know, like anything that's going to fix my skin. And anyway, she gave me like all these prescriptions. And then I was like, it's my birthday on Saturday and I have so much acne and it's making me depressed. And then she just started injecting me with, with steroids into my acne. Wait, can you go back quickly? What When she was speaking at the speed of light, was she giving you like skincare advice? Or was she telling you that skincare doesn't necessarily work at a certain point? No, she was just saying what needed to be done to fix my skin. <laughs> hormonal acne basically but I couldn't even understand her I literally missed it all and then I would try and speak to say anything at all and she'd cut over me thinking that she knew what I was gonna say and I was like this is so crazy um and then she gave me all she gave me two different types of pills to take and then topical stuff which I'm like doing my normal rationale which is what I should be doing anyway and I kind of realized this the other day when I was watching some random young actress um weirdly on one of those vogue beauty videos and she was saying that she has really bad hormonal acne and so she was like i do my normal routine 
So like all my rationale stuff from like my lips up. Mm-hmm. And then down, I do the special medical grade shit. And every second night I'll still do, like I'll do my, I'll basically do my rationale products over top, but I, I use special cleanser for my chin now. Um, and this other special ointment stuff. And then she's, and then I'm back on tret, which I'm not even sure why I stopped doing that in the first place. Cause it like really is supposed to fix my skin, but the way we were doing it off the black market just felt confused and wrong. And I even think the formula we were using was cause you know how I was like, it dries so quickly on my face. I can't even spread it out. This yes. is fine. Yeah. I think the tret we were using it definitely didn't do anything for my skin. It was probably literally like Vaseline in a tub <laughs> shipped over from like Mexico. <laughs> we were paying literally like seventy pounds for it. Um, but then my uh, like our friend Tilly gave me one of her leftover prescriptions, and I when I was in Australia over December, and I used that, and I actually also haven't noticed any difference. So I think I think this is the thing with skincare. It's just there's no one size fits all. I think Tret works wonders for some people and for some people it just doesn't do the thing. You should keep using it though because I think it's really good for anti-aging anyway. Yeah. Like wrinkles and stuff. Um, so that happened. I just got onto that topic because you said I look brown, which has nothing to do with that. No, the skin's looking good. She, yeah, she injected me with all of these steroids which is what people do here if they have so like if celebrities or anyone rich i guess has bad skin they go to the dermatologist and the dermatologist injects the pimple and then the pimple goes down immediately it was so beautiful and gorgeous because this is what i always wonder for like red carpet events how no one just has a stray pimple ever because i'm like i get that all these people are celebrities and they have lots of money and blah 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 but no one ever really has just like a big hoinking zit on the red mm-hmm. carpet and this is why they're injecting their face with steroids <laughs> i love <laughs> i love america <laughs> i know i was like i shouldn't really be letting this woman shove a needle in my face when i can't even understand what she's saying but all all is well we need to diagnose that name of like what that feeling you have like i got botox again recently and just the the terror in like the three minutes before the injection of the full existential thing of like, what am I doing? What's wrong with me? The plight of women. Oh my God, this is so fuck. And then as soon as it's done, you're like, oh, beautiful. Feminism, 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 feminism. I'm hot. When I got Botox done, I went, as I told you, and had dinner with Zach at Nando's, a romantic dinner for two, as we love doing, as in you and I love doing. I just sat down. He goes, you look pretty. And I was like, I literally don't think you've said that in three years. <laughs> and I got Botox that this is, morning. Boy. That is it in a nutshell. That is it in a goddamn nutshell. <laughs> Men as well being like, don't do anything. That's so crazy to do something to your face. And then they see you and they're just like, wow, you look so gorgeous. Even if you fake tan. Yes. Even if you fake tan, like the next day, they'll just be like, you look so nice today. So you guys have brains the size of peas. The impact fake tanning has on my mental health is concerning. Yeah. Like there's a very close trajectory of, especially in London in the winter, feeling tanned and feeling like I could manage the the ups and downs of life. <laughs> when I bought those boots, I bought this pair of boots and I was texting Grace being like, I'm going to return them. I hate them. La la la. And then I was just like, 
part of it, I think, is that I feel so disgusting at the moment. And what did you say? You were like, do not um, confuse being pale with with hating the boots. I was like, it's so true. It's true. You need to try stuff on when you're like shaved, primped. I Mm. can't try any clothes on if my hair isn't washed. Yeah. Um, So I went to the Los Angeles Marathon didn't do it which was the original plan um yeah lost run at episode but i walked up on well i ran up actually on sunday morning and watched some of the runners because we were looking out for some of my friends friends who were running in it which was so cute mm-hmm. we saw them and cheered them on and it made me feel sad and angry at myself that i didn't sign up for it so i'm putting it on the pod it's happening Next year, I'm running the LA half marathon, obviously not marathon because I'm not a crazed person. Um, And the running is going to continue because basically what happened was me and you had this discussion because I'd had the most insane runner's high of my life because I went for a 15K run, which is the furthest I've ever run without stopping. Really good pace, proud of myself, and then ended up in like Reddit groups about runners (laughs) that evening, just so obsessed. And then we had this big chat about it because I was like, oh, I love it. La, la, la. I never thought I would be a runner and now I've and now blah, blah, blah. And then I just stopped. This is what happens. It's like, what is the thing called? It's like you think about, there's got to be a cognitive name for this. You think about doing the thing and that gives you the satisfaction as if you've done the thing. So your brain is, <laughs> is satisfied. You know what I mean? Like being like, I'm going to run the LA marathon. I always feel like that with like yoga. Yeah. If you, you're in your head and then you read all the stuff and then your head was like, Oh my god! I can't believe I have basically run the LA marathon. <laughs> yeah. And then you stop. Yeah, I don't even know what it, it was. I think just the routine. It's been really hard to get a routine here, um, and I have been running for. I started running in twenty twenty one, so it's coming up. To, it's two years next month that I've been running like two to three times a week, but it's always only been like. 5k mostly or 5k to 7k and sometimes a 10k and then yeah did that 15k and was like right here we go but because I'd signed up I basically just shot myself in the foot I'd signed up for the marathon training way too late Mm. signed up like six weeks before the race or something so on Nike it was like do a 15k run and I did it and I was like oh my god I can do it and then the next Sunday it was like right do a 16k run and I was like I need a little rest and recovery and I can't like fathom doing that every single week like just the thought of like doing one every week I was like no yes yeah this is what's hard so. I think I think we talked about in the last episode because I was saying my brother's a marathon runner and his number one piece of advice was that you have to start like you would know this as someone who runs like you have to like start at a pace and a distance that feels like it should be easy because it's not like you don't run the most you can possibly physically run at the highest speed for as long as you can the first time. Like the first time you do a 3K run and then the next time you increase it by 10% apparently is the golden rule. And then just slowly build momentum in a very healthy and boring, in my opinion, manner. (laughs) (laughs) No, I did um, couch to 5K the first time I started running. And I think running was like this thing with me because I've always exercised. I used to do heaps of hit classes when I was younger was like an OG Kirsty Godzo. She was my personal trainer in Auckland like forever ago and used to always go to all the Nike classes 
so for me, I was like running felt like I should be able to do it. I was like, I feel fit. So why can't I do this thing? Mm. And as you say, I would be going for a run and I would be running way too fast because I didn't understand how to pace myself or even what a good pace was. Getting really exhausted, having to stop and then feeling like it's too hard and, and getting really upset with yourself because you can't do it. And then I realized I did couch to 5k the first time years ago. And then I just realized that, yeah, as you say, going super slow, like I bought an Apple watch specifically with the purpose of pacing myself. Cause you can just hold it up and it shows you exactly how fast you're going. Mm. Um, and it's like not to make myself go faster. It's to make myself slow down. And I look at my, I look at my watch like constantly when I run to make sure I'm not running faster than I should be to like keep myself going for however long. So if I'm going for 10 K on a treadmill, it's way easier. Obviously I will start like pretty slow for the first three K and then I'll like up my speed every kilometer. Interesting. My brother was telling me that the guy who ran the fastest marathon recently, he what's marathon like 40 Ks basically, however fast he ran Mm -hmm. it, he had to be running at like, like 19 k's an hour non-stop for two hours and i was like wait is that 19 on the treadmill and he was like yes yeah that is fucking bonkers that's crazy yeah i used to love going on the treadmill and like charging it up to like 14 and then i would get off after about six minutes and nearly pass out in the locker (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's really confusing here because everything's in miles Oh, like, yeah. What's going on? Do you remember the first time I went with you to a Katie class and I came out and I was literally going to throw up and vomit and, and pass out at the same time? And I was like, there must be something wrong with me. I think I'm sick. And you're kind of like, I think you're just unfit. You said it in a very kind way, but you're like, when you're not fit, like, this is what exercise feels like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were like, I've got a bug. I was like, I have long COVID. No, I think I said to you, I remember going for like a hike up a hill with my friends and getting to the top and having the same feeling. And my friend was so fit that she usually runs that route. Mm. So I was like, surely, I was like, surely I'm walking up a hill. Yes. It can't make me feel like vomiting. And I was like genuinely like hunched over in a bush. (laughs) But yeah, so this time next year, LA Marathon. I'm going to come and cheer you on. Yeah, come. I'm going to be on the sidelines. I saw Diplo running it. <laughs> so funny. I kind of find Diplo hot now after we like mocked him semi-recently. Mm, no, that's like, this is women's collective trauma. Finding men like Diplo hot. It's just like, of course Diplo is hot. Right. We all know Diplo is hot. We're like pushing against that. Okay. I don't I actually don't have enough context on him to be totally honest. And I think I confuse him with about four other people. I, I just saw a TikTok of him working on talking about how him and MIA made paper planes. And I was like, hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was the nice era of Diplo when he dated MIA. But it's like, he's just literally like the DJ mm-hmm. charming fuck boy that you that you know is sleazy and gross Mm -hmm. and who fucks like 400 women a night. But then he's really charming when you speak to him and you can't help but like want to be one of those women. So I finally watched some of Daisy Jones and the Six. What are your thoughts? Boring. (laughs) (laughs) Have you read read the book? 
No. Neither. The show isn't very good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I just have it on in the background. I think... Like, I love all of them as separate entities, but I don't know. The show, just to me, is quite boring and weirdly done or something. Yeah, I don't mind it as, like, a dumb guilty pleasure. I think it's suffering from that um, – I may have already said this, but, like, that when the crawdads sing thing where they've just sat it, – it's, like, so sanitized and, like, squeaky clean polished – where I feel like you watch mm. these 70s things because you want to see, like, even her meant to be going off chops and, like, snorting heaps of coke and being crazy just feels really boring somehow because of how they've done it. And all the yeah, costumes. Like, I it doesn't agree. feel quite authentic somehow. But I, I, I don't mind watching it. I really like Riley Keough and I like Camilla Morone a lot. Yeah, I don't mind it as a guilty pleasure either. Like, when I compare it to other shows – that I think are bad that I genuinely can't even sit through. It's not like that. I'll just have it on at the background. That guy doesn't look super old. Like, he looks older than them, but he's supposed to be at the start. They say that he's their older brother. Well, I thought he was, like, um, literally in his 40s. <laughs> and he's, like, three years older than Riley Keogh. So he is age-appropriately cast. I just think mm, he, he just so spiritually feels so much older than them to me watching it. Like, I feel like he's in a different movie or something, a different show. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. I think because he's a troubled man outside of it. Yeah, he looks like he's see it, see seen some shit. And I think Camilla Maroon's just so young as well that even that partnership, I just am not, not buying it. <laughs> I think the thing about that or, like, the whole point of the show, right, is that he's with Camilla Marone, but then has this thing with Daisy. But I just don't even feel that attached to him and Camilla Marone being together. Mm-hmm. And I feel like she it, she does well with what her character has, which is nothing apart from being really annoying and following the band around and taking photos. Like She does well <laughs> to make them seem like they have a cute connection, but at the same time, you don't even feel that. I don't feel that much like I want them to stay together so that I'm just like, I don't even care if he hooks up with Daisy. So what am I supposed to be feeling as a viewer? I'm just like, okay, whatever. I think you feel <laughs> sad because Camilla's so gorgy about her being like cheated on, but I agree. I don't, they don't have that much chemistry together, but neither do him and Riley Keough. I don't know. I'm just, I kind of agree with you. I wish it was, I wish it was a bit better. And the other, even mm. the boys they've got, I'm like, I would not be able to pick them out of a lineup. And I've watched it for like now six <laughs> hours. I'm like, they're like the most undynamic and forgettable actors that you could ever cast. Yeah. Also feels like it should just be like a 90 minute movie instead of yeah, a 10 hour series. Long. <laughs> so long. Like nothing happened in the last three episodes. Oh, I'm not even up to there yet. I don't even know where I'm up to. <laughs> but yeah um okay should we talk about law roach interview yeah this dropped just after we talked about this last week but that was on patreon so this is coming to it with fresh eyes again for maine law roach's interview with the cut a very nice long like hour and a half interview that was basically published in full with Lindsay peoples wagner the editor 
I really liked this interview um, off the bat. Thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same. I watched it. I had it on YouTube because they released it. Yeah, they released it as a video on YouTube and then they transcribed the entire thing word for word and then they released it as a podcast. Mm. And I was watching it as a video. I Yeah, I, I really liked it. I think he was really open and honest, but I found what I – and I do understand – so there was a lot in it. There was a lot mm. in it that um, was really interesting to hear about and it and it really helps you to understand his perspective and his treatment in the industry and why he's had enough of it. And he goes into his background. He grew up like super poor. Um, his family had no money. He barely had any food on his plate, would always go to bed hungry, um, like basically grew up on the streets. His family took off without him and left him. Mm. He just, they just like left so him. So fucked up. Yeah, it's so crazy. And... So he fell in love with fashion from shopping in uh, charity shops because that's all he could afford. And then he managed to launch this vintage store in Chicago, which then became this massive success and all these celebrities started coming to it. And that's kind of how he um, first got into the fashion industry. So it's this amazing story because he is talking so much about like nepotism in the industry and how um, the way he explains it was just kind of being like, it's so hard for anyone who's not from here, not even because people are being like specifically racist or specifically elitist in their own minds. It's because they're just like, oh, my friend's a stylist, so I'll just get my friend to style them. Mm, you know, like mm-hmm. they just want to work with their mates. They want to work with people they've known for years. They're, they're, the actresses or the celebrities themselves might want law because they see the work he's doing. And then they'll go to their managers or their their whoever and be like i want to work with law and then their managers or whoever will just be like oh yeah we tried to tear it up with him but the schedule was conflicting and then law and the celebrity never speak until he sees them at a party (laughs) yeah that was the stuff i found the most interesting like the that whole thing of celebrities and the teams and management around them and then all the miscommunications that come with that because even like we know in our experience as journalists, celebrities who have like the most hideous <laughs> teams around them, like publicists and stuff who are so mean or so hard, like hard work or so like difficult. And then you get an idea in your head about the person and then you go and meet the person and they're like the loveliest, easiest, like most down to earth, chill person ever. And I always am conflicted of this question of like, are managers and publicists and agents and those people needlessly like wielding their power in a sadistic way or are they hired to be that mean person so the celebrity always gets to be the nice guy and like all the all of the blame is always placed on like the third party because it's more convenient and that was kind of what law was saying throughout this piece was like if it was just me and the celebrities, it would be great. Like, me and the celebrities have the best relationship, but it's all these middlemen getting in the way that are making it fucked up. And I was like, I wonder how much of that is agents getting blamed for stuff that celebrities, when they see him at a party, are like, what? Oh, my God, I had no idea. Mm, yeah. I feel like more of it is the agents than anything because the agent's agenda is to use the celebrity. So the celebrity is a brand. Mm. Um 
and the agent's agenda is to get that brand to make as much money as possible and to be as popular as possible. And I reckon they're just saying whatever it is to make the celebrity agree by like throwing Mm. anyone under the bus that will just get their agenda on the right track. And I feel like law would be thrown under the bus so much because as, as like there was that thing about Priyanka Chopra where he said that he had had a conversation with her team and her team had basically been like, I don't even know how, how that conversation went, but basically her, her team went back to her and said that she wasn't plus size, so couldn't fit the dress. And then she got really upset and he was just like, that's not even how it happened. They came to me. They were saying that to me. Mm. And I was just like, yeah, okay. And then they've gone back and said that he was the one that said it to try and dissuade her from wearing something they thought she wouldn't look good in and wouldn't get good press in. Mm-hmm. It's like so much, so the politics are so crazy, but I don't know, some parts of it where I was like, <laughs> not that part, because I know that that is horrible that they have gone and twisted his words like that and kind of potentially ruined this lovely relationship he had but a lot of it I was just like this is so funny because it's just like office politics but we're hearing about it like we're just hearing about Mm. someone who's just like pissed off about their job yeah exactly this is like the funny thing now with these like sit downs and exposés and like I don't know just how much people talk shit now on the internet (laughs) is like even just some examples where he'd say, I would go on a shoot and the agent would try to go on the shoot and would try and like get involved in the styling. And I would say, I'm the stylist, you're an agent. I don't, you know, that's like you say, just such a run of the mill thing that happens in every business with colleagues all the time where someone like oversteps Mm. or people are like going head to head with each other or whatever. And it's just such a normal thing that happens. And the fact that it's like that person that was involved in that probably read this and was like, oh my God, this is part of this huge expose in the cut, but it was just this stupid little workplace disagreement um, is kind of funny. Yeah. It almost just sounds like he has burnout. I think this stuff, like the, the internal politics and the behind the scenes stuff is real. And I think it has contributed to it but from the way he's talking it sounds more to me like he's just realized that he could be doing a lot more than like getting involved in this bureaucratic crap all the time because he's could basically do whatever he wants now I feel like he's just exhausted of it I don't feel like something incredibly like awful happened to him at work from reading this I just feel like it's the cult the culture of work is just exhausting and he's just wants to do his own thing yeah but and it also sounds like that phone call was the that phone call with the celebrity called him and the team was on the call as well was it do you think he was talking about Priyanka there I don't think so because it made it sound like it was someone he'd styled at the Oscars after party like in the last yeah thing but I didn't really understand that call either like what <laughs> he was so he was like saying that he got a call from a celebrity who then said, my management's going to jump on, everyone's going to jump on. Suddenly he felt like he had, he was just being um, bulldozed or like ambushed by this whole team of people where the celebrity was saying, you didn't prioritize me. There was no dress. There was no blah, blah. And he was just like, what the fuck is going on? So Mm. obviously I guess that would just, that would just feel so like that that feeling is so shit when you feel like people are just speaking about you behind your back when you're literally doing 
your job and you're doing a good job and then you're suddenly being like what is everyone just saying yes and I think it is like the piece really breaks down how much he has just changed the game of celebrity styling as we have talked about a lot he has transformed like what celebrity styling is capable of doing for people's careers. And he's really candid in this interview about, I see the numbers. Like I know what happens when people hire me and they become cool and people are interested in them and they make more money and they get these brand deals. Like I know what I'm worth in terms of what the monetary value they will get on the other side. So he's aware of what he offers and the industry, it sounds like are still just treating him as like a glorified dress saucer. You know what I mean? Mm. Like a person that just like gets from A to B. And that. so I think that um, tension is what sent him over the edge. And it's almost like a bigger fashion question about how powerful these celebrity stylists have become. And I imagine that, you know, he talks about these cohort of like the same five or six like thin white women based in L.A. who do this work, who probably, I don't know come from similar backgrounds and just know not to rock the boat and know to be quiet and know to be grateful and know not to like push the thing and whatever. And he's coming in saying, no, I'm not accepting that. I'm going to get treated with the respect I deserve. And is just being met with like these dickhead agents who, this is the stuff that drives me crazy in fashion is like the people who, Anyone who has is a celebrity agent and cannot see how valuable he is for their client should literally be fired because <laughs> yeah, like you are so lucky to have him working with your client. You should just be worshiping the ground he walks on. Yeah. Cause it's making you money. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. So crazy. It's like doing your job for you. So I loved how he said, um, with Zendaya, he was just like, Zendaya's given me... She sounds like such a little fucking angel sent from the heavens Gorgeous above. He was girl. just like, Zendaya's just given me grace, like given me time to figure out what I want to do. And even if I won't be specifically styling her... So he did say he's not going to be styling her, which I find crazy. It was just like, even, even if I'm not going to be specifically styling her, I could be on her team as creative director mm. and oversee the person who styles her. It basically sounds like he's just made <laughs> a career choice that was in the works for a while but he just got pushed over the edge and did it in this really dramatic way which I find I feel sorry for him for all this burnout and it sucks that this has happened but it is I don't know I'm just like it's it's just it's just like a funny I don't know dramatic way to go about it I also feel bad for all his clients who sounds like they might have been left in the lurch a bit with like the Met Gala coming up and all these different things. It just sounds like a bit of a shit show. But as he says, he's incredibly talented. So he's going to have work, whatever he does. It's definitely probably not strategized this way, but it was a very smart PR move. Because basically, like, the entire industry's come and rallied around him and he's getting all of this, like, amazing coverage and everyone's so excited to see what he does next in a way that, I think he would have had all these opportunities anyway, but I feel like now whatever he does, if he launches his own brand or he like starts working for a magazine as a stylist, like whatever he picks, I feel like there'll be so much more hype around it than there would have been if he just quietly moved directions. True. That's so, that's really true. I was coming at it from like the complete opposite angle and thinking about how people 
I guess the wider world and the press and as you say like that response but then I was thinking more about the response from like internally Mm. which would be these people's teams just being like yeah this dramatic guy you know like there will be other conversations with the celebrities who might have been left in the lurch their teams who thought he was dramatic and annoying anyway (laughs) like yeah there's gonna be both sides yeah it's really interesting I know Zendaya Met Gala look is going to be so he's like done a really sneaky thing in a way by saying he's going to like, I might just stay on as a creative director because if she still looks good after he leaves, he'll be able to say, well, I'm still creative directing her. And if she doesn't, he'll be able to say, well, I'm not involved anymore. That's why (laughs) it's like win-win for him. Yeah. Clever little strategist. He also just went on M Rada's podcast, which I find funny. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I mean. I'm like, time to <laughs> wrap it up. <laughs> time to go quiet for a few days. The boss show, like, I know he said that that had been in the works for months, but the boss show happening a day after was just, I, I don't know, it was chaos. But I mean, it's been interesting to watch. And I feel bad that he's had all of these insane experiences and it's incredible that he got to the level he got to and it's opened up so many doors and yeah he's still gonna be around I just feel sad because I'm so sad about the like the red carpet was has been so interesting recently we were talking about how the Oscars was really good Mm -hmm. all of the looks that we said all of the looks that were in our best dress were some that he had styled but there are other good stylists about. That's true. There's not really like a successor to him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I hope it continues. I can really see him getting like an appointment. You know how like Pharrell was announced at Louis Vuitton? Like I can really see him getting some major appointment at some major house. Cause it's like, he obviously has a really high taste level and they love these kind of hypey celebrity-ish appointments. Mm. It's going to be interesting. The only stylists on the top of my head that are that are really killing it. I mean, surely there's others that I could that I I'm not thinking of, but that Wayman and Micah duo mm. who do Jodie Turner Smith, and I think they do Tessa Thompson as well. I want to know who styles Taylor Russell. Like there are there are yeah Tessa Thompson nuts. Just did that. Ryan Vogue. Hastings. Ryan Hastings. Styles. Who is this? Dunno. <laughs> <laughs> also styles Rooney Mara. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah. I loved hearing him talk about how when he starts working with a new client, he goes to their house with like racks and racks and racks and racks of clothes and they have to go through and say pull out everything they like and everything they're interested in and then everything they hate and he said he goes back through their archives and i was like no it's terrifying the shit he'd pull up and then think that you liked um that fedora <laughs> i know were we not all thinking reading that piece how desperately desperately we would love law roach i just want law roach to come in with all these racks and racks of clothes and just tell a, tell a beautiful story about me and my personality with expensive dresses. 
What a dream. I wonder how expensive he is. I was thinking that too. I was like, I bet he's like silly expensive. If you're, if you're like a new person that wants to hire him. Mm. And that's why the agents probably push back sometimes because they're like, well, you charged (laughs) a quarter of a million dollars to style this dress and it like came late and you weren't there. Yeah. Like crazy money. It would be crazy money. Um, I found this bit really funny, even though I know he's being serious. It's very like us. <laughs> he said, my work is spiritual to me. And I know people are going to be like, oh, that's so bullshit. But no, like if you talk to anybody who ever worked with me, they say, oh, you have to let him dream about it. If there's three dresses, they'll say, call me in the morning because I know you're going to dream about it because it's so in my spirit and my soul that I'll not only see the dress, I see the finished look. I see the hair and the makeup. I even see the press the day after. <laughs> I love it. He literally does. He's like an I know. artist well, and his yeah. canvas is the red carpet. Yeah. I think like him coming from that like Chicago background of, I don't know. I just think you can really see in the way he styles that he has this more like eclectic range of references or something. You know what I mean? I think the thing about Zendaya in particular is like, Everyone on the red carpet is pretty much wearing variations of the same thing. Even if they're wearing something really cool from the right brand, like that you've seen on the runway and it's great, or they have very consistently good style. It's always basically like there's a few brands that are really cool and a few of the cool girls are going to wear that. And there's a few brands that are really classic and the classic girls are going to wear that. Whereas he just comes in so left of field with these brands that he works with, with like the vintage stuff he pulls, with the custom stuff he makes, like it is so interesting. He's made it so much more interesting. Mm. Yeah. So we shall see. Law. <laughs> law, law. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. And then there's been another huge piece about another controversial man in fashion. Mm. Dimna. I love how he dropped his last name. I, I knew he dropped his last name, but I didn't really know why. And it was literally because everyone was just mispronouncing it, which was me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still, 
don't know how to say it, but I know how to type it. I feel like I know how to type it from like muscle memory from having to type it so many fucking times. Glossalia. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a big piece about him in The New Yorker talking about his background, um, obviously Balenciaga's next move following the scandal um, and kind of how Demna got to where he is today. And I don't know, I, I really enjoyed reading about, I didn't know all that much about his backstory in terms of fashion. And I loved reading about the fact that he's kind of, he's always been, I mean, I kind of knew that through Vietmonts, but he's like always been very consistent in the way he designs where he'll like design well, but he'll always design with kind of attention grabbery, like ironic, funny, not taking things too seriously, but then also this underlying like real seriousness and um, message that he's sending. And I think that what kind of annoyed me about the conversation around Balenciaga was like people saying that all it is is mm. a joke. Like all he's ever done is a joke and all it's ever been is a meme and all and like this was it him taking the joke or the pushing the um whatever too far. Mm -hmm. And then that's why it all fell down. But I was just like, I just think to like say that is oversimplifying him as a designer and Balenciaga and everything so much. And I think this piece really proved that. Yes, I think that's so true, actually. I think that's why you and I, I don't know. I feel like going to that show of theirs that we went to together, we were both just so blown away by exactly what you just said this was the simpsons one just like how it used this was the one which we would have talked about at the time but you came into this theater and then you sat down and then on the screen in the theater was the red carpet outside the theater and as the celebrities were walking in it was like cardi b and naomi campbell and all these people that was the collection being unveiled you realized like halfway through and there was just something so fucking smart about it this idea of people basically encounter these clothes for the first time because not that many people watch the runway shows through red carpets anyway. Celebrity culture is now like the new runway because it's how the public interfaces with designer brands. Like there was so much thoughtfulness and intelligence behind it that I think that, yeah, when the scandal broke, we both had the same reaction like I remember seeing some people like like prominent industry people on Instagram saying what you just said, like this is what he's always done. He's always been provocative and thing. And now he's just pushed it that bit too far. And I think for both of us, we were like, that's just not what this feels like at all. It just feels like something that's been taken out of context by like loons on the internet and like yeah. <laughs> tied to all this other stuff. Um, so yeah, I was really happy reading this to see someone put so much like time and thought into explaining why he's such an important designer and why he's like, he will be the designer that defines this generation because all of his like references and the way he creates clothes are so tied to all the cultural moments that we're going through now. Um, and this obsession with like canceling him is, is really insane. I think <laughs> 
People like won't rest until he's like disappeared forever. I know. I love it so much how this person, this writer goes, the supposed dark lord of luxury fashion is a 41-year-old teetotaling vegetarian who lives in fondue country with his husband and their two chihuahuas, Cookie, mm. Chiquita, Cookie. <laughs> That's what I want to name. Why have I not got an animal called Cookie? He speaks seven languages, swears by Brene Brown. Her podcast recently taught him to name the emotions anguish and awe. And begins his mornings doing guided meditation with the Serenity app. Gorgeous. That's a little bit jarre. Like, even when he said that he wore that crazy mask at the Met Gala because he was so nervous to meet all the celebrities. And he said he had two friends. (laughs) And I was like, this is such a funny thing we do where we, like, put these people on such a pedestal and think that they're these, like, all-powerful, all-knowing individuals. And he's just, like, a socially awkward fashion nerd who just made – a mistake <laughs> and the whole world thinks it's like this giant conspiracy is like kind of funny to me he would have just been in switzerland being like this is crazy <laughs> yeah cookie. i know i think what yeah i guess what's funny about it when it comes to the fashion side of things like that's why people who dress who dress really out there but who are really shy and introverted it's re- it I find it really interesting, you know, all of the like that specific kind of genre of like high school kid, like the punks or the goths or whatever, who dress in this specific way, but then which feels very eye catching and makes you like, I'm like, oh, I could never dress like that because I want to fit in. Mm -hmm. So I think the juxtaposition between like Demna wearing all these crazy clothes and then being like, but I'm this really introverted nerd with like only a couple of friends who lives in the countryside makes sense. Cause it's literally that exact thing from like high school, but it's mm-hmm. like so hard to put the idea together in your head because when you're wearing clothes like Balenciaga, you think that person is really confident. Um, isn't, yeah. Isn't shy. Isn't afraid to, they're just being like, fuck you. And it, and it makes all of us feel <laughs> nerdy and boring and introverted and thing. Cause all we're doing is wearing like, the normal red carpet looks that is so fucking true that is so true like really that's funny. what fashion does it like makes other people feel the way you feel that's like kind of the goal of it sometimes mm. i was listening to emma chamberlain's podcast which i've never done before the other day i think she's really <laughs> i think she's really cute i like her i don't know if i could listen to it all the time but i just was curious about <laughs> it and no, I'm just laughing because I did. I like put it. I'd never listened to it before. And when I went for a run, I don't take my phone, but you can like download podcasts onto your Apple Watch. And so all I had downloaded was an Emma Chamberlain one because I was like, I'll try it. And then I was running and I was in the middle of like nowhere with no phone. And all Emma Chamberlain was doing for 45 minutes was talking about midi skirts. <laughs> like, but just, I was like, this could even, this could, I mean, it wasn't even boring, but it definitely wasn't interesting. I was like, can't believe how rich you are. That is it in a nutshell. It's not boring and it's not interesting. And it's very <laughs> yeah. like a 22 year old's perspective, which I, yes. I, yeah, appreciate. This podcast was about um, like debunking the concept of cool and what's cool and how we define cool. And she was basically saying, and she sounds like such a pea brain sometimes when she's talking, but what she said was actually quite like profound, where she was like, 
what I try to do, because I go to a lot of these events where I meet people that I'm really intimidated by, is break down the things that make me think a person is cool. And usually it's like they dress really well or I see them at a lot of parties and they have a lot of like friends who seem famous or some, like they take cool photos. So it's usually like one thing that you can break it down to. And she was basically saying, if you just break it down to that one thing in your brain and are like, okay, that person dresses really well. And then you think, okay, but that doesn't necessarily even mean that they're, I don't know, like, like they could just dress well because they have a lot of money. They could just dress well because blah, 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 blah. Like you just take out the dressing well, meaning anything other than they just dress well, then people become less intimidating to you, basically. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. That was like kind of unlocked something in my brain weirdly. And I feel like that's this thing with Demna. Like he dresses well and he's a fashion person. So people project all this extra shit onto him. Like he must think he's better than everyone else or he must be really like. Yeah, he thinks he's so cool. Aloof and cold. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just like this normal bloke who lives in switzerland like why does he live in switzerland (laughs) (laughs) i know i feel like yeah i feel like i try to cover to situations with a with a brain like that um and i think i'm more but i guess yeah with like someone like demna obviously i thought he was cool but would ne- never had like I guess interrogated enough to think he was like cold or anything. But I think my my thing w- with what Emma Chamberlain is saying is like, yeah, the the clothes, yeah, it's like the clothes, but then and and then it's just the it's like the energy that they give off, like a confident I belong in this room energy. And I think for people who don't come from money or don't come from whatever that can really throw you off but also that's like kind of bitchy energy at the same time usually because you can belong in the room and be bubbly and fun and and um friends with everyone but still feel inclusive and warm Mm -hmm. as i've seen firsthand from devon lee carlson i think it's like yeah i think there's that and i think I just think some people, I think if you grow up in elite circles, I think, oh, I hate that saying that phrase. I think you, if you grow up in like wealthy, a specific type of, of wealthy background, it's just like learned behavior or something. Mm. I think everyone yeah, you, you know behaves like that way. Yeah. And I think you're not even aware, cognitively aware that you're doing it, which is why class is such a big part of this stuff like I genuinely believe that that's like the differentiator between Selena Gomez and Hailey Bieber for example when everyone was freaking out about that and like suddenly unleashed all this hatred on Hailey Bieber versus Selena Gomez I 100% think there's like a way that Selena Gomez relates to people and her fans that is informed by growing up poor and I don't think Mm -hmm. I think Hailey Bieber comes off as like aloof and disassociated and people get the impression that she thinks she's better than other people or something and that comes from like growing up wealthy and not having to try to get people's approval like i literally think that was a class thing the Haley bieber yeah. thing yeah for sure 
that's back on my fucking TikTok timeline. Like, no tomorrow. Ugh. My TikTok is all it is, is Taylor Swift's era's tour. Stop. I was like, I am not asking for this. And yet I feel like I've watched this whole <laughs> you fucking concert. Yes. It's like swiping yeah, madly. I've seen that woman dive through the stage like more times <laughs> than I can count. Um, yeah, it is everywhere. I kind of loved it. I was like, how much effort she put in puts in, you can have nothing but respect for it. Like she works. What I liked was um what I found like cute was I don't know, just Taylor Swift's fandom just feels so it's just so feels very wholesome. Sp- but like spe- very specific. It's like it's like white, yeah, like nerdy kind of girls. Yeah, it's like it's like a lot of us. It's like all of us. A lot of us can relate to like mm-hmm. that, but it's just I don't know. It's like there's this this thing. There's this thing when I see all these videos that just like gives me a semi ick, even though I know I'm alienating so many people who are listening because <laughs> we all love a good Taylor Swift song. <laughs> But like you know what I mean? I'm just yeah. like it is it just feels so like specifically targeted at like this sector of women, which but then at the same time when I watch it it makes me feel, it was like cute. I saw someone in the comments just go Taylor Swift makes me love being a woman or something because it's like mm. everyone's just embracing being chuggy, everyone's embracing being like yes, girlies. Yes. Oh my god, yes. That's exactly right. That was fucking... I was so shocked by how much that was taking over the FYP. (laughs) I mean, 70,000 people went to a concert in LA over the weekend. This is the one that, like, broke the internet to sell, right? I... Thinking about how much she's making off this tour makes my eyes water. It's crazy. That she's earning those dollars with her, like... I know her, like, little Jada bejeweled suits like i just i just love it she's just herself she's like a person that is so just be doing exactly what she wants to be authentically at all times in a way that i really admire like i love it no same and i love that 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 resonates with so many people she's done an incredible job of staying at the top of her game for that long but i guess i guess because what she is is like a basic girly so yeah. it resonates with like all the basic girlies in the world which deep down is like all of us to some degree yeah she taps into something like in that song where she was just wearing that like floaty long dress and i was like i feel like all <laughs> of us have this like and some of us like bury it far deeper down inside of us than <laughs> others a way that like sees a dress like that and just wants to like walk around and like float in it and have bangs and she's like i'm doing it like she just does it she doesn't overthink <laughs> it and i just I love it. I honestly do. I know. I, I just, know, yeah. Yeah. I'm just not a fan of her songs. Like, I think that's – like, I'm not a hater. I'm not a anti-Taylor Swift person at all. They just don't hit the part of my brain that they hit in other people's brain. Like, I never even liked Love Story when it came out. <laughs> I literally didn't. I was like, I don't get why everyone likes this song. Sure, I would pay good money for I swear to God, I'd pay such good money for someone to go through our podcast and mine out everything you've ever said about taylor swift and put i it literally into one worry episode. about that it would that. be so funny you flip-flop well you don't even flip-flop that much but it's just really funny because sometimes you'll be like i can't stand her i don't get it and then you're like look i like taylor swift i just don't like her songs or you're like and then you'll like talk about miss americana and then you'll talk about her politics and then you'll talk 
And then you're always like, I don't not like her. I don't not like her. Because I'm like, if I met her, she would be like the nicest person. And I would feel like heinous forever, even saying I don't like the song Love Story. Like, I'm aware of this. But that stupid Carly Kloss stuff's back on my timeline as well. I just don't believe they bust. I'm sorry. I just like, I just don't believe it. I really feel in my bones that that never happened. I I don't know, man, because you see some younger videos of Carly Kloss and she looks more gay than she does now. <laughs> like she they might have really had a little like pash. Laddie. I don't, oh, I don't know. I and just, then like, yeah. On a, like cosmically, I don't, I don't feel like that happened. I feel like the energy <laughs> of the whole world would be on a different axis if those two had buzzed. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I like saw this. I fucking saw this TikTok and it said that Taylor Swift celebrated a one year anniversary with someone on fucking, I don't know, like <laughs> April 14. Um, and she, she posted, because this is April 2014. This is when everyone's obviously posting everything on Instagram. And yeah. she said something like one year anniversary. And then everyone pulled back to where she was the year before, and she was with Carly Kloss and Big Sur. And then the next year, on the exact same date, both Carly and Taylor were posting, like, cryptic like, two-year anniversary, or, like, two anniversary posts. I honestly reckon like that. that they Taylor maybe, like, developed a crush on her or something, and I feel like they literally had, like, a pass under the stars one night, and this has, like, sent her on this journey for multiple years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Carly's like, I'm married. Yeah. I don't know. I could be convinced either way, honestly, with that one. It's like I don't believe Kendall Jenner is a lesbian, but I do believe. I could believe. See, I'm almost the opposite. Yeah. I just am like, wouldn't she just go out with a girl? Yeah, it would make her like cooler. So, yeah. <laughs> She's, she's probably a bi queen. <laughs> I love it. How did we get here? Um, <laughs> me and you at the Eras tour next week. Yeah, I, yeah. I need to be worn down. If we went, we'd maybe enjoy it. I oh, I would so. have a fucking great time. I want to see Katy Perry's Vegas residency. That's what I want to see, where she's on that giant chair and looks like she's tiny. We can go. We yeah. can go. Come to LA. Yeah. Come to LA because she's doing it now. I think her dates because I'm trying to organize it with Tat because my sister's flying to my sister's coming to LA in September. Mm. And Katy Perry was the woman who turned my sister into the gorgeous lesbian she is now. <laughs> Speaking of lesbians, she was next level in love with Katy Perry. Like she, that was her Ooh. first ever lesbian crush. And I am so obsessed with Katy Perry because of that. And like mm. how much she was, had to do with my sister's growing up into the woman she is now. I'm sure she would have been a lesbian had Katy Perry not existed, but it was definitely <laughs> the, it was definitely the the moment in time where I had Ashton Kutcher, she had Katy Perry. Yeah. And Anyway, she's here in September, and so I was trying to organize with Tat us going to Vegas to see Katie. Um, and the dates haven't been announced for September yet, but they're running all the way through till 
July, August for sure. So if you come to LA, we can go to Vegas. That'd be so fun. We can live our teenage down. dreams. Waking up in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think Teenage Dream by Katy Perry is like one of the best pop songs ever. I love that she song. She has so many bangers. Fireworks. She has so many bangers. Yeah. She's just a camp icon queen. I love her sets. I just want to hear it. I'm just excited. <laughs> Team Same. Katie. We, yeah, let's go. Fly, yeah. fly here. Hell yes. Okay. Okay. Um, bye. We're going to go. <laughs> Bye. Have a nice day. (laughs) (laughs) You and them. (laughs) Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.